The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links as we record and drop this on Tuesday. Not much to discuss in terms of the major MMA landscape from this past weekend, but a lot of storylines coming out of combat sports for sure after Saturday night in beautiful, scenic Hollywood, Florida. And then this weekend, the UFC and Bellator both have events on Saturday, and we have ourselves a good old-fashioned infighting here on the show this week as we introduce the challenger, one of the winningest players in the history of the program, and that's over multiple iterations of the show. One half of the combat sports social media tag team champions of the world from MMA fighting, Mr. Jose Youngs. Jose, welcome back, my friend. It has been a minute. I can't remember the last time I was out on the show. I was trying to remember before I signed on. Uh, I feel like nothing's changed except for Jed's hair. That's about it. Was it the it's tag about, team got, tag team matchup? Mm, maybe. That might be it. The one where, where we pretended that Kamaru Usman was the breakthrough fighter of the year. <laughs> and then the second I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little, you know, break in kayfabe. The second we went off air, everyone on the other team was like, Yeah, Brandon Moreno was the right answer. And I was like, I know. You guys are just having a silly goose time. I was right, per usual. Well, we appreciate you coming back on, Jose, despite the bad judging from E. Casey Ladin. Where have we heard that before? But uh, cool. back on the show himself, looking to make it another successful title defense. A man who was victorious in that aforementioned tag team matchup. This man has been on a tear as of late. Fiery takes. And this man is truly Mr. No Gray Area. Also from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Jed Mishu. Jed, how are you, my friend? 
Mike, I'm already mad at you, and then you're gonna pretend like like Jose is the one who's been ripped off by Casey. Casey's job is basically to rob me, and and coincidentally, as we said last week, I've been winning a lot since he's not judging anymore. Funny how that works. So now I'm doubly mad at you because you lied to me, Mike. When are we gonna talk about the lie you told me? Because it hurt my feelings a lot. Which lie is this? That Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort was just going to be a glorified sparring match. What Listen, happened there, Mike? What happened there? I'm, I'm glad you segued right away because I have a lot of thoughts about this and I haven't had the chance to really express them the way I'd like to. But you know what? Let's just get right into this thing because for those listening right now, I am less than 48 hours removed from my return home from South Florida from covering the latest offering from Triller Fight Club. We saw boxing i'm putting air quotes up we saw music we saw ufc legends former world champions and in the end we felt a tremendous bit of sadness for those of us who watched it because 58 year old evander holyfield let's just say he was flat out destroyed by vitor belford and in the first 15 seconds of the fight i was like all right these dudes are gonna move around they're gonna have a little sparring match holyfield lands a, a shot he then he throws a heavy punch and he almost falls out of the ring through the ropes and then Belfort just tore him apart and the referee mercifully stopped it at the right time come to find out as I said on last week's show as Jed just brought up this had exhibition fight written all over it and that was correct because it turned out it was an exhibition fight but nobody apparently told Vitor Belfort about that because he did not approach it in the same way as others had before him he wanted to knock out Evander Holyfield and he did just that so Jose before we look at other parts of this, what is your reaction to that main event and seeing Vitor Belfort just put the wood to poor Evander Holyfield the way that he did? Uh, weird, I guess I would say. I, when Evander Holyfield announced that he was going to be the replacement, I was like, well, that's a thing, I guess. I didn't really put much thought into it. Then I watched your interview with him, and I was like, oh, this is not going to be fun. Like, I feel like he said a lot of words and didn't say anything he also threw a lot of ums and uhs and he answered around like he didn't answer your question and i don't know it just it, it weirded me out and then i was like trying to because i remember vividly watching evander holyfield like growing up like on television when he was a legitimate steroided out monster knocking fools out in the heavyweight division probably like easily top 10 heavyweight of all time and then i realized that his fight against riddick bow was 30 years ago and that fight i lose brain cells watching that fight just of how violent it was and now he's fighting 30 years later against someone who a lot of people consider to have one of the faster hands in MMA and kind of the original, like, lightning quick boxer in the UFC, who's also probably not getting drug tested either. Left a bad taste in my mouth, and the fight hadn't even happened, though everyone was like, oh, if Vander touches him once, he'll go to sleep. I didn't think that at all. I thought Vitor Belfort was just going to blitz right through him, and he did exactly that, and I felt sad watching it. Uh so all in all, weird, sad, depressing, shouldn't have happened, didn't enjoy it. There was weird commentary that we'll probably have to talk about, but all in all, I would grade this a 1 out of 10. Jed, I'm not sure if you actually watched this fight. I don't think you really needed to because you could watch all the clips and see all the reactions on social media. Of course, you told everybody to follow along on MMAfighting.com, but just from what you read, what you saw. I mean, especially when the reports are coming out that it was an exhibition fight on Friday. Like, I was feeling pretty good about things. I was like, all right, this is these dudes are going to move around. Like, Vitor is not going to try to hurt this man. He already said he's not going to try to hurt this man. 
And no one would have been sad if they went out there and just moved around for eight rounds. And then we get this, and Vitor just tears through him. So what was your reaction to all of this? You know my reaction, because in real time, I messaged you and was like, you you lied to me, Mike. Because I we, we had this discussion last week, man. I was super down. I knew that this was going to happen. I had hope. Because I, the only reason I had hope was because you instilled it in me. You're like, you know, I get that this is horrible and nothing about this is good. This is all awful. But maybe Vitor has enough self-awareness to recognize that he doesn't need to go bolt a 60-year-old former boxing legend. Like, he, he can just do the right thing. And Vitor sure as shit couldn't. I haven't seen the fight. I haven't watched a replay. I haven't watched any of the clips on that fight because – there was no need to watch a very sad thing happen. I can go see sad things any day of the week just looking at my Twitter timeline and being part of the MMA community. So certainly didn't need to willingly seek that out. So I have no thoughts on this other than you lied to me, and I'm really upset with you, Mike. Yes, I feel bad too. Perhaps I was uh, a little too naive. And I actually, for the first time in my combat sports career, I've always, I'm not the prince of positivity like AK, but I always try to find, yes, I know. I try to find the silver lining in everything. And I've never felt like I was too naive for this sport. But for a moment on Saturday, I actually was like, man, maybe I am. Maybe I have to look at things in in a new way. Maybe it's just not as rosy. It's definitely not, but I try to like find it in every single sort of fight or storyline or whatever. And then, like, 15 seconds into this fight, I'm like, all right, I, I feel good about this. Like, Holyfield's moving around. He's just throwing out little jabs, and Belfort's just kind of, like, whopping his head back a little bit. And I'm like, okay, like, this is going to be what we're looking around. And then, nope, Vitor wasn't playing around in there. And, and, and let me tell you what got me more than anything. And I know Ariel sort of talked about this yesterday, and I, I thought the exact same thing as it was happening. The celebration was super nauseating if we're being honest like he's celebrating like he knocked out like this is 1994 knocking out Evander Holyfield and what was worse and to kind of build on what Ariel said because this is literally the thing I thought about Vitor Belfort on Wednesday when I interviewed him he was like he looked at me like he wanted to stab me with nails into my eyeballs bringing up the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight to the point where he wouldn't even let me finish the question I was asking him. And he said, like, don't put me in the same sentence as Jake Paul, Holyfield and I are the Ferrari, the Disney kid and the wrestler are the Honda. And what does he do after he knocks out a Vander Holyfield 58, going to be 59 in, in like three weeks. He calls out Jake Paul. He calls out Jake Paul and Ryan Kavanaugh proposes this be a $30 million winner take all fight. I was literally laughing in my media seat, laughing at this entire thing. Jed, I could not believe it. And I wanted to ask questions at the press conference so bad. I wanted a microphone in my hand to ask Vitor Belfort about him saying that to me and then calling out Jake Paul the way that he did. And no one from the media got to ask any questions. And then on top of that, on top of that, he says Canelo Alvarez has no balls to fight him at 185 pounds. So this guy goes from De La Hoya to Holyfield to Jake Paul's a Honda to I'll be Jake Paul's daddy. Canelo has no balls. And then sure, maybe I'll fight De La Hoya if they offer it to me. What world are we living in, Jed Mishu? Where are we? Because I have no idea. Jose, can we just agree to give Mike the point this round? Because 
He's going off right now. I was so mad on Saturday. <laughs> I was so mad. But where are we living, Jed? Like, what, what, what is Vitor thinking? What, what is with this? See, this is the part that I'm upset at you about because this is totally what I thought was going to happen. Because Vitor is not the most self-aware human being that's ever lived. Like, he's not a stupid man by any means, but he sometimes just doesn't get the picture. And he clearly just whiffed hard here. And so now, now he's calling out for a bunch of fights that he's not going to get. He looks awful in every respect. And contrast that with everything that Anderson Silva has done over the last year. And it's just so stark. It's such a stark bad image for Vitor. The only people who came out of this weekend looking worse than Vitor is the Florida Athletic Commission for allowing this to happen in the first place. Other than that, if he everything was bad for him as far as I'm concerned. Jose, what do you think? Like when you were watching all this, I, and I didn't get to. I, I tried to jump into the post show. I don't remember which iteration. I know we had to do it a couple of times because we didn't know when the press conference was going to start. But just hearing Vitor react the way that he did, and the callouts, and all of this, what, what were your thoughts on the aftermath of the fight? It was silly. It was stupid. It was pointless. It was desperation. I hated everything about it. Like, and you said that Ryan Kavanaugh came in with a twenty-five million dollar contract. I mean, thirty million dollar like like offer. It was a twenty-five million dollar offer, and then some psychopath came out of nowhere <laughs> and goes, "Hey, I have five million dollars. I did a bunch of drugs. I'm just gonna scream. I'm gonna add five million dollars to this ridiculous bet." It was it was stupid. It was idiotic. I mean. Outside of your interview with him where he basically kind of shunned Vitor Belfort and then he's he's texting Aaron Hawani on the MMA hour saying like tell my tell my son and this and I'm like I'm like first of all I don't think you know how YouTube works my guy because he said if you turn the fight down all of your friend all of your little Disney fans are going to become my fans I am really confident when I say that no one that follows Jake Paul's career religiously knows who Vitor Belfort is. And that's like, that's not a knock on Vitor because he's clearly like one of the, he is the every definition of the word pioneer of mixed martial arts. He is one of the greatest middleweights of all time. That Jake Paul's audience just doesn't know that. They have absolutely no idea who Vitor Belfort is. They only watch that trailer. Like, I know Triller is probably banking on like, oh, Jake Paul fought Ben Askren. Now all of Jake Paul's fans are Triller fans. That's not how fandom works in 2021. They follow their person around. They don't follow the programming around. It just reeks of, of idiocy. I don't understand. And then there's also a problem where Vitor's like, oh, he like Canelo Alvarez doesn't have the balls to fight me. Canelo Alvarez fights at 168 pounds. Vitor Belfort fights at 185 pounds. And I am so confident when I say that Canelo Alvarez could take a month off and Vitor Belfort could just train and take all of the Mexican uh, party favors he wants. And Canelo Alvarez would go out there and just eat Vitor Belfort. He would... Canelo Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez would make Vitor eat himself. That's how dominant <laughs> it would be. He wouldn't eat Vitor. He'd be like, Vitor, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna destroy you, and then you're gonna ingest yourself. That's how one-sided that fight will be. So, like, I agree with Jed. The only bigger, the biggest loser of the week was the Florida State Athletic Commission, followed very closely by Vitor Belfort, who celebrated like he had just won an actual boxing match against an actual boxer. 
I was like, do you have any interest in seeing Vitor fight Jake Paul? Like, does does, does anything stick out to you? Should, or, I mean, on top of what you just said about Vitor, because I had an argument with somebody on Saturday, a, a fellow media member. I said, Vitor, I, I was like, in my opinion, Vitor Belfort's stock dropped so much, like immensely dropped. And he completely disagreed with me, and I couldn't understand why. Like, I, I felt his stock I, dropped so much on Saturday. I mean, we're talking about him. We're talking about his call out and how weird it is. And I mean, even Jake Paul had to respond. And so if that fight happens, which I don't particularly care if it does or not, I don't want this whole $30 million winner take all. Like, honestly, the only reason I don't want that fight because I, is I don't want another week of Vitor Belfort just yelling into the microphone. Like, that's the only <laughs> reason I don't want. It. Uh, if that fight does happen, people will be super interested in it. It's because it's prize fighting. Like, Jake after Connor and Canelo, I put Jake Paul number three right now. And like peep and like the fighter that drums up the most interest in what in fist fighting. Vitor Belfort said all of this tomfoolery at him. The fact Jake Paul responded and just called out all of MMA and said he's going to fight Tommy Fury instead, they're going to call him a coward. And then if that fight ever happens, it people will be interested in it. And at the end of the day, whatever makes you the most money, I'm all in favor of. I just personally, as like a, I'd rather see Anderson fight Jake Paul just because Anderson looks awesome and he seems like still like the nicest human being in the world after he just eats another human being alive in a boxing ring and then just walks away. So I'd I'd much rather prefer Anderson, Jake Paul, but if Vitor wants to, his fans are going to be interested and it's going to be 2021 just remains just a bizarre, bizarre, nightmarish, hellacious landscape. What do you think, Jed? Do you do you have any interest in, in this fight, Vitor versus Jake Paul? Could Vitor actually turn Jake Paul baby, like full on baby face here? I think there's a chance this happens. I, I think he could. If anybody could right now, I think maybe Vitor could do it with things that that come out of his mouth, Jed. Let's be clear, Jake Paul's the baby face anyway, because Jake Paul is the one putting a spotlight on UFC fighter pay when nobody else is doing it. So, pro Jake Paul forever. Uh, as long as this keeps going, even though every other aspect there's a lot of but, things that are coming out that so I would not say every other aspect of his life I don't support, but in the context of specifically fist fighting, he's the baby face at this point. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I have no real interest in it. Thing is, I think Vitor probably did himself a favor this weekend, which is awful and speaks to how terrible this sport is because, like. I agree. It'd be way more fun to watch Anderson fight Jake Paul because Anderson's going to tool him up. Uh, but Jake Paul is not going to seek out that fight with Anderson for exactly that reason. And Anderson, great knockout, but relatively quiet. Of you know, he knocked out a bad UFC champion. Uh, I said it, Tito. I don't regret it at all. Uh, whereas Vitor, hey, he knocked out former heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield. Uh, I'm with Jose saying that Jake Paul's fans don't have any idea who Vitor is, but they've probably heard the name of Vander Holyfield, even if they have no concept on what that really means. And so that is a, a better touch point. Say, hey, this is the dude who just knocked out Vander Holyfield. He's a former UFC light heavyweight champion. It checks a lot of the boxes for what Jake Paul has been doing for, for his fight promotion thus far. And he... For all of the things that were awful and we have discussed it, Vitor was certainly the loudest person this weekend. And it sort of feels like that might just be enough to get him the the fight with Jake Paul next. Like, again, I just don't think Jake Paul should fight Tommy Fury. That feels like a fight he could very easily lose. 
and maybe lose to Vitor as well, especially if Vitor is on, uh, as Jose so eloquently put it, um, Mexican treats or candy. I don't know. What he did. Party favors, uh, party I think you said. Favors. Party favors. Yeah, if Vitor's gassed up like a, like a brand new sports car, then maybe Jake Paul really doesn't beat him. But it it feels like he actually is probably the front runner at this point to really get that fight outside of the whole Triller thing, because I know Jake Paul is a little bit cooled on the Triller experience in general. But, yeah, it's awful, and it shouldn't be this way. No one should want Vitor to to get a high-profile fight after how badly he reacted to knocking out a 60-year-old Evander Holyfield, but he probably is in the driver's seat right now. The whole thing, this main event was very bad. Uh, I thought the fight was awful. The reaction, the post-fight was awful. Hopefully Evander Holyfield made just so much money that he never even has to think about boxing again. Just so many terrible things came from that two minutes and change. Uh, there were some good, kind of, and I, we, we, we alluded to it earlier, and we'll discuss that more in round two. But the first point of the matchup goes to me. No, I'm just kidding. Jose Young's, Jose Young's on the board. Uh, the threat of... Canelo Alvarez <laughs> making Vitor Belfort eat himself. I don't know if I can get that out of my brain, so I have to give him the point. Um, my only beef with that statement is that Jose said Canelo could take a month off. Canelo could take like two years off and still <laughs> absolutely hand Vitor his own ass. True. That's very true. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So, the main event was was just horrendous, everything about it. But to us MMA fans, the star of the show, one half of our main event was Anderson Silva, who took on Tito Ortiz, and he knocks out the Huntington Beach bad boy with one punch, essentially, and he's the darling of the weekend, the man that sort of even things out with the walkout, his demeanor all week, the respect, the martial arts mar- mar- martial arts mantra, the performance, the post-fight, everything, all of it. He stole the show in my eyes from everybody else, Jed Mishu. What did you think? Like, Did you enjoy the latest chapter in the Silva feel-good story of 2021 outside of just seeing Tito fall face-first to the mat? Dude, hell yeah. Like... <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who I didn't res- I didn't respect Anderson enough when he was in his prime uh, because I was a little shithead and was like, he just can't beat a wrestler, but there are no wrestlers. 
uh, I still that's may or may not be true, but I just didn't appreciate all the absolutely dope things he did in the, inside the cage. And then he hit his down like decline. And then I really was like, man, I, I honestly became way more impressed with Anderson when he went on that big losing skid because he clearly had lost his fastball and his changeup, but he was still competitive with some of the best fighters in the world, which is hella impressive. And getting this kind of last stage career renaissance, like if you had told me a year ago that Anderson Silva is about to be the feel good story of 2021, I'd be like, that's not true. You're just lying. And instead it's awesome. <laughs> like it's, I, I still don't entirely understand how it's happening, but I'm not here to question how it's happening. I'm, I, as soon as this fight was announced, I told you, I think on this program that I couldn't have been more excited to watch the greatest striker in MMA history, just Karoom shots off the giant knockout of Tito Ortiz. And that that was the true main event, even when it was supposed to be Oscar De La Hoya Vitor. And that was prescient and true because it was, it was easily the best thing that's happened this month, probably. And I did not buy the pay-per-view because as I told everyone last week, you can just get all the info on MMAfighting.com, see all the important things. And I think that was absolutely the right decision because on MMAfighting.com, you can go watch the 81-second fight highlight. And I've watched it many times because it's the best. <laughs> How about you, Jose? Did, did Anderson's triumph put a smile on your face Saturday night? Uh, I mean, not the result, not really, just because... I'm pretty confident that that same result would have happened even if they fought in an MMA fight in their prime. I just Anderson Silva always just seems a league above Tito Ortiz in every aspect. Like Anderson Silva at light heavyweight at one point was like a mythical figure. Like he would just kind of step in the, those through that archway and just do insane things inside the octagon. And then of course, as Jed said, he kind of went on that skid. But I don't know, like. I'm happy in the sense that I think our our our, our colleague Sean Alshadi has said it a few times. I'm happy that Anderson is getting the proper send off that he didn't get in the UFC because, as Jed said, his kind of his last five, what five six fights like his like. Let's also be like clear. I've scored that fight for Derek Brunson when they fought. I thought Derek Brunson beat Anderson Silva in Brooklyn. So if you would have told me that after that he just took Stefan Bonner's soul in Rio de Janeiro, that he would not get another stoppage win until 2021 in a boxing match against Tito Ortiz, I wouldn't have believed you. And then as slowly as kind of Anderson Silva declined and declined and declined, and then he kind of got that very lackluster send-off on Halloween night 2020 in front of no fans, and then to beat Julio, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and then... Tito Ortiz uh, and to have the entire MMA community just kind of rally behind the guy that was there a lot. I, Jed said Jed said himself that he was kind of a little shithead and didn't really give Anderson Silva the respect he deserved when he was doing his thing, which is commendable that he finally accepted that. But a lot of fight fans, I am sure Anderson Silva is the reason that they got into MMA. We've had Guillermo Cruz on the A side a few times, and he said that that front kick with Vitor Belfort was the genesis of the MMA boom for an entire country. So I know for a fact that a lot of fight fans are just happy in general to see Anderson get some sort of success in a proper setup. So I'm happy for the man. The result itself, I kind of went like, yeah, duh, that was going to happen regardless of when this fight took place. So I'm happy for the man. The outcome, saw that coming. I'll say that. 
Okay, well, let's let's dive deeper into the outcome, Jose. You let's saw that coming? The minus twelve hundred betting favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone saw that coming. I don't think I've I didn't look at a single betting line. I'm like, this is it, just, was, it was minus twelve hundred because I was like, I'd like to bet on this guaranteed. Thing. It should have been bigger. Like, that gap should have been much bigger. Well, it should have been, but there's not a lot of meat on a minus minus ten thousand Anderson Silva. <laughs> now. Just to kind of dive into the result a little more, Jose, we you've been on the show enough, and Jed has as well. We very rarely mention the F word on the show, and I won't mention it here because I don't think we should. But I will go with the S word, maybe sprinkle in the T word, shenanigans and tomfoolery. Those are the words wow. we're going with. The F word is fixed. We're not going to use that word here. Because that's, the S and the T there, that's what a lot of people are screaming coming out of this fight with the way Tito was throwing punches in the corner. I mean... Maybe he's just the most terrible boxer of all time, but there are a lot of people. That's probably the But there are a lot of people in this industry who I respect who think that there might be a little bit of shenanigans in tomfoolery, mostly from the Ortiz side, not from the Silva side, mostly from the Ortiz side. Did you see anything, Jose, that would warrant those reactions? Did you have any of those reactions at all? Yeah, I don't think it was fixed in the sense that Triller went up and told both of them that this was it wasn't like Mark Coleman and pride or anything like that. It, it, it was it was very much. I think all of the interviews Tito Ortiz said leading up to this fight where he's like, I'm going to try really hard to make weight. Like, I'm going to try. I'm willing to die and I'm going to try. I might not make it, but I'm going to try. I'm like, he's not going to make it. He's just already he just admitted it. He's not going to make weight. And we're like a month out. So he was probably getting a stupid amount of money. I'm sure like to, the once they announced this fight, I something weird was going to happen because Anderson went from Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Like beating a like I've said this a million times. I am so far away from being a fan of Chavez Jr. I think he's I've used the phrase bum many times when discussing him, but he is a legitimate boxer. Tito Ortiz is such a massive step down in competition for Anderson. So I'm like. These two just got an insane amount of money. Why would he not take this fight to just, as as Jed has said a few times, lamp a big-headed fool? And he did that exactly. So Tito Ortiz probably got a lot of money, knew he wasn't going to make weight, knew he probably wasn't going to win, and just goes, you know what? As they do in the professional wrestling business, let's just go home in the middle of the ring. And that is exactly what happened. First punch that landed, I'm sure hurt. I'm sure just detached him from his senses for maybe a half second and fell down. So... Not saying that's what happened, but if if you're watching that and that is what you believe, I'm not going to argue with it. I don't think Anderson Silva had anything to do with it. I don't think Triller had anything to do with it. I just think Tito Ortiz got a giant paycheck, struggled to make weight, and said, "I want to go home right now," and he did. Yeah, so it's it's interesting when you when you cover the sport for those listening right now, and and I thought with this with like watching WWE and stuff over the years that the guys look like a certain size on television, but when you when you stand next to them, you realize just what they really look like. And Tito, I always thought was like, yeah, he's just a a jacked up dude. Like he's not that big. And then you stand next to him and you realize you're like, Oh my God. I'm like, this guy's massive. And the first thing I thought when I, the first thing I thought when I stood next to him was like, there's no chance this guy's making 195, zero chance in the world. He's making 195 pounds. But in terms of the shenanigans and tomfoolery, Jed, I know you watch the 81 seconds in highlight form, but were you watching that? Just thinking, Hmm, maybe Tito just kind of phoned it in as quickly as he could. No, 
Why? <laughs> I, I never understand, like, one, we've talked about fight fixing and how it, like, doesn't really happen. Uh, but, like, how 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 do you even come to that conclusion? He's a minus 1,200 favorite. This should be the outcome that is expected. And, frankly, anybody saying that this was fixed or that Tito phoned it in, you have never seen Tito Ortiz do anything because you're giving him so much credit as an actor that he does not deserve. This dude can't put together three sentences without stumbling over himself. And somehow you think he is going to fake getting dropped and be done. And he's not going <laughs> to botch that too. Like, no, he got got and rewatch. You can hear the sound of those punches. They land very cleanly. And Tito's damn near 50. Like that's, this is the outcome that was expected. It's the outcome we got. And if you think it was fixed, or shenanigans or chicanery or whatever happened, you are giving Tito Ortiz a lot of credit. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you ever watch Tito do anything? Have you ever, uh, Borshinia MMA, I forget the, his actual Twitter handle, great MMA Twitter dude who's made it his life mission to catalog Tito Ortiz being awful on the microphone watch any of the uh whatever those things that you pay people to say stuff for you i don't remember what that cameos right cameos yeah watch any tito ortiz cameo because they're all on that twitter profile and he can't get out like a happy birthday message without (laughs) screwing it up you think he's gonna fake getting knocked out in a fight like he really can do that no chance man no chance (laughs) jose did you did I know you had uh, to work the broadcast on Saturday and, and and watch it, but did you watch the Trump commentary at all? Nope, not one second of it. Okay, did not, absolutely not. I saw enough of that man in your highlight videos you sent, and uh, he was, you know, on the regular broadcast. But I didn't watch. I didn't listen to one second of him commentate the fight. And Jed, you didn't watch, so we'll 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 end this. I would not have watched that. There are. I would not have, I I would have cut off a finger before willingly watching that. That's just not an outcome that I was interested in. What does Anderson do now, Jed? What what would you like to see him do next? I mean, we talked about it. I'd be happy to watch him box a Paul brother. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, my guess is I've I feel like Anderson probably ends up getting De La Hoya next. Uh, De La Hoya is obviously supposed to fight Vitor. Maybe they run that back, but I think Vitor wants to make a real hard push for the Paul brothers. And Anderson seems like he's just kind of down for whatever. Uh, and I, I know De La Hoya is still going to want to box again. And honestly, coming off of that, I feel like De La Hoya should be more interested in Anderson and how all that shook out than in facing Vitor. So. Uh, if I'm putting money on it, I would guess that he's going to fight De La Hoya next. But honestly, it may just be, no, you talked to him afterwards. You interviewed him for the site, and he's really interested in competing with his son on the undercard, which I think was originally supposed to happen this past weekend, mm-hmm. and things things got in the way. So it may just be as simple as whatever the first opportunity is to do that, that's what he ends up taking next because he just wants to stay active and kind of fulfill that, that check that box on his wish list. What do you think, Jose? Like, it seems it seems like he wants to stick around in the boxing world. Like Jed said, he wants to to fight on the same card as his son. Feels like that's the next move. But Anderson Silva versus Blank is the fight to make. How do you how do you fill that blank in? 
I think Oscar will end up fighting Vitor because I think they said at the press conference, Anderson said that when that name was presented, he said, well, I, I think Vitor has unfinished business with him, so Vitor can fight Oscar. So I think that fight will probably happen. Uh, I don't know, maybe Anderson versus Logan Paul solely because uh, our own Damon Martin interviewed uh, the Showtime executive Steven Espinosa and he brought he was presented that fight like he, Damon asked him about that fight possibly happening. This was before uh, the Anderson Tito fight was announced. So and Steven Espinosa seems semi interested is like that is a fight that is clearly on their radar that that we will explore. Uh, the Paul brothers, I'm sure, would be more than fine having Anderson's son be on the undercard like they seem like to fill these cards and have a lot of stories in every single fight from top to bottom. Like I, I think Jake Paul even said himself that he had his fingers in every single fight that was announced for his undercard. So there was a reason everything was on there. So I think if, if Jake Paul is going to fight Tommy Fury, uh, I don't think I would have any issue because Logan is much more closer to Anderson's size than Jake. And then if they both win, then maybe that could like if Jake Paul and Anderson win, then maybe that fight could happen down the road. Uh, but I wouldn't hate that fight at all, especially if it was in Los Angeles. I know Anderson and his son live in L.A. Uh, Jake Paul and Logan clearly have houses in L.A. Uh, they've lived in L.A. for a long time. The fight at the Staples Center was kind of taken away from the fight fans there. I know it would probably be a Showtime fight, not a Triller fight. But if it's if I'm Anderson's team, I'm, I'm, I'm at least exploring his him possibly fighting Logan Paul. I think my favorite part of the entire week was during the press conference when Trump said he, he would fate, he would beat Joe Biden easily. And then Anderson's <laughs> face, I had to look, I had to turn the camera and like zoom in on Anderson's face. It was the yeah. best thing of the whole week. It was amazing. I, I don't think Anderson wants to fight on trailer anymore. either. <laughs> I think he's, he'd be much happier fighting on Showtime. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So we spent 30 or so minutes on this card and I'm, I'm, I covered it. And I thought Triller was was very accommodating, very opportunistic for us. But uh, I think that's a little too much time. So we're going to move ahead to uh, this weekend's festivities. The point for round two goes to Jed Mishu and him trying to find silver linings and him trying to be positive and saying no shenanigans, no tomfoolery. This is just silver linings. I just know who Tito Ortiz is. <laughs> <laughs> been around MMA for a long time. <laughs> All right, so Triller is behind us, at least for the time being. This weekend, the UFC is back, Bellator is back, and they're both putting shows on this Saturday. But the biggest storyline, honestly, ahead of both cards, goes to the Bellator side because one half of the main event is the long-awaited return, the Bellator debut of Yoel Romero facing Phil Davis in the main event of Bellator 266. And it's the promotion's return to San Jose, California, their home base, for the first time since the pandemic went down. So, Jed, I mean, this is your guy. Where would you gauge your excitement levels for this fight? The return of Yoel Romero, a man who moving up to, is moving up to 205, a man you consider, and you've said many times on the show, he's the greatest middleweight in the world right now. Look, results don't lie, and Yo Romero hasn't lost since Rafael Cavalcante knocked him out in strike force 20 years ago, however long that was. Uh, look, I am torn because I love Yo Romero. I have been standing Yo Romero forever until this past iteration when he was officially knocked out of the MMA fighting rankings for inactivity. I had him like number two or something absurd <laughs> until Sean Alshadi was like, you can't vote for him anymore. You have to let this die. 
So I am as big a Yoel Romero fan as there is. But if you could find a fight to make me not want to watch Yoel Romero fight, it's Phil Davis. Like, Bellator, nail on the head. Yoel Romero fighting Anthony Rumble Johnson, awesome. That fight is gangbusters by anybody's definition. Uh, it will be spectacular, and I could not wait for that fight. And then you bait and switch us into this this is shenanigans. This is the definition of shenanigans. Nobody likes Phil Davis. I've said it many times. Like, he's a perfectly nice individual, but nobody wants to watch him fight. His own family members don't want to watch him fight because he's had, like, two good fights his entire career. Everything else is awful, especially most of his Bellator run. has been heinous to watch. This fight is going to look terrible, and the only hope it has of being good is if Yoel Romero does Yoel Romero things. And by that, I mean he loses the first two rounds because Phil Davis just leg kicks him a bunch and refuses to get within a zip code of Yoel Romero's punches. And then suddenly Romero's like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to knock him out. It's the third round. That's Romero time. And then he comes out and knocks Phil Davis out. Because anything else, this is going to be Phil Davis pointing his way to the most sad, tepid victory of all time. And it's just going to suck. And there's not even other redeeming fights on this card or, frankly, the UFC card, which we're going to get into. This is just – Bellator has had an awful 2021, and they are keeping keeping that momentum going by just doing everything they can to make me not interested. <laughs> Jose, are you uh, in the same boat as Jed, or is there a little more excitement on your end with this Yoel Romero-Phil Davis fight? Uh, the fight itself, it is not, as Jed said, it is not the fight that I probably would have booked. I wanted, you know, I wanted Yolo Romero in the Grand Prix. This, let's, let's not forget, this is not a Grand Prix fight. Both of these men are out of this, this big light heavyweight tournament they have going on. Right. Correct. Like, like Phil Davis lost to Nemkov and Yolo Romero was bounced when he pulled out of the rumble fight. Correct. Yeah. Like this is not a Grand. Yeah. So like, what does this fight, what does this fight lead to? Like they're neither one is going to get a title shot immediately. Neither one's. This is just a fight to introduce Yola Romero to Bellator, and Phil Davis is a name that fight fans know. And like as Jed said, he's not the most pleasant man to watch fights, but I think being a very boring fighter and making fights super boring and winning is a underrated skill in MMA. Uh, I know Jed shakes his head, but hey, I'm not here to argue that. that I agree. Dude's super skilled at that. He's like yeah. big Rory McDonald. Yeah, exactly. So like Two, one of those judges gives Phil Davis one of those rounds against Ryan Bader. And then he didn't he fight Nemkov to a split decision too? Like those are three of his last four lo- three of his last four losses are super close split decisions. One of those judges gives Phil Davis those nods. Phil Davis has what? Like a he hasn't lost since like twenty fourteen after that, his Rumble Johnson loss. And I like so Phil Davis isn't an anomaly to me because I looked at his his resume before we went on. I'm like, wow, Phil Davis has won a ton of fights. And I can't remember a single one since 2014. Outside of like those, he won like two dime, like like that Bellator Dynamite card that he won like two fights in one night. I think one of them was against Francis Carmont. And I really, really wanted Francis Carmont to win that fight because like the winner of that might fight for a title or something crazy like that. And there was this 1% chance that Tito Ortiz is going to fight Francis Carmont for a Bellator light heavyweight championship of the world. And I was like, I need to live in a world where that fight happens because that <laughs> is absurd. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Phil Davis wins a lot. I've also said a million times on various shows that I subscribe to the notion that wins and losses matter in a sport. I know a lot of people on this site don't consider mixed martial arts a sport. 
I still do. So good on you, Phil Davis. You won a lot of fights, and he also is in charge of the only book club in the MMA landscape. He and a couple other professional fighters all read the same book and then talk about it together. So I am very pro Phil Davis. I am very pro reading. I like Yo Romero doing crazy things inside the octagon. So I'll watch this fight. And Jed, I mean, listen, he, Jed, Phil Davis is coming off a pretty exciting fight. That Nemka fight yeah. was entertaining. So that, that that still doesn't bode well at all for you. As I said last week, <laughs> broken clocks right twice a day, man. Like, Phil Davis can't have the fight. Do you remember the fight before that? Do you recall the fight before that? It was Phil Davis eking out a decision win over Leota Machida in the year of our Lord 2020. Like, he has two questionable decision wins over Leota Machida and two questionable decision losses to Ryan Bader. Everything balances out. Well, I got to make yeah, it. Having Go questionable ahead. wins over Leota when Leota's 45 or whatever the hell he is. Like, that is just, that's not a good look, man. <laughs> Jed, you know I'm going to make you dig a little deeper here. You mentioned oh, it. There's no oh, redeeming. Oh, oh. Come on, baby. Give me something. There's got to be something. Dude, this card is awful. <laughs> uh, Bellator at least usually is better. They don't usually put 14 fights in a fight card. <laughs> uh, they've really drunk the, both the card. We're going to talk about the UFC in a minute. Oh, yeah. But both of them are 14 fight cards because nobody in MMA wants to have a family life. Like, does nobody in the Bellator executive office, like, want to go home? Is Scott Coker just not want to be near his family? So he puts 14 fights on this freaking card? Come on, man. Uh, half of them are, like, zero, zero people. It's just awful. Uh, if you're going to make me, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I can't in good conscience ever support Georgia Karakanian, uh just at all. So I guess Deanna Bennett, Alejandro Lara is probably the best other fight that's going on here but like i can't say confidently because i'm not even kidding one two three four five like five fights on this are five fighters who don't have wins in their career like you can't scout and see if that's a low-key banger because they've never fought before or whatever so yeah this is a bad card man uh i say a lot on this program but i thoroughly mean it do not watch this. Tune in to MMAfighting.com. We're going to have a recap. At best, the main event might, might be kind of fun for like a literally a 10-second stretch is the most that fight will be fun. So, yeah, don't watch this one. Be with your families. It's okay for you to, to have other hobbies and enjoy those. And just come to MMAfighting.com. We'll take care of you for anything you might suddenly need to know about this. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven fighters making their pro debuts on this card. Seven fighters in four fights saying. making their pro debuts. This is not like this is some ramshackle smoker out in the Midwest. This is Bellator in California. I don't know what the hell's going on this weekend. What do you think, Jose? Is there a, is there a second? Is there a low-key banger here that, that sticks out in your mind? I mean, it's always going to be, like, specific fighters I want to see, not, like, the actual fight itself. And uh, let's not forget, Scott Coker is close to his family because he lives in San Jose, and this fight is in San Jose. So he probably just took a bunch of AKA guys and go, we're going to put you on this Bellator card. So that's why this card is so massive, because there's a massive gym to just pull through 
pull from. Uh, I guess Saul Rogers is a, is an interesting name. He was supposed to fight on the Ultimate Fighter, and then he got like a Grand Theft Auto that he lied about. So that man is infinitely more interesting than anyone else on this card because he lied about a crime, thought no one would notice it, went and did really well on the Ultimate Fighter, and then UC was like, hey, man, you lied about stealing a bunch of cars. He goes, oops, sorry. So <laughs> Saul Rogers is always a fun guy to watch. Demon Gracie, I remember interviewing a bunch of fighters uh, like – not in the Grand Prix, but like during that welterweight Grand Prix, and every single one said Neiman Gracie was the dark horse to win that entire tournament to the point where I started to believe it, and then it just didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, Jason Jackson is an incredibly talented fighter, so which caught me off guard. So I guess Neiman Gracie and Saul Rogers are two names I want to see, but not any specific fight. Oh, Mike, I got you now as I'm looking at this. I mean, I don't, again, don't watch this at all. I know what you're going to say. Is it Holland Gracie? Because I did not realize that uh, the worst of the Gracies is also on this card, uh, which is great. He is 0-2, and his first loss is to Dustin Hazlitt back in 06, and he hasn't fought like since. He lost to a young Dustin Hazlitt and was like, you know what, I'm good. Well, Bellator came calling, so sure, I'll strap him up one more time. What a gong show this card is. This is awesome. Uh, this might be the toughest point I've ever given on the show. Man. All right, we're going to move to the UFC side and see if there's a, a little more sunshine on a very cloudy day, apparently, in San Jose this Saturday. But the point for round, the point for round number three goes to... I'll go with Jose Youngs. Jose Youngs, two to one. Great battle. Let's talk UFC because... Jed, you were wrong about one thing. While Bellator is putting on a 14-fight card, the UFC said, you know what? You do 14 fights, Bellator. We're going to do 15 fights. We're going to do 15 fights. And that's what they're doing. And the last one, also in the light heavyweight division, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. So the UFC takes a week off, coming back with 15 fights. Oh, two weeks after having a nine-fight card, we're a week away from the pay-per-view UFC 266. Anthony Smith is always a strong test for anybody at 205. Ryan Spann is 9-1 in his last 10. An exciting prospect at 205, even though he's been around for a while. Jed, thoughts on this main event? What do you think? Ryan Spann taking on Anthony Smith. Um, it's a main event, I guess. Uh, I Light heavyweight is just... It's the worst division <laughs> Like, I think it's worse than heavyweight, which is honestly saying something. Like, Ryan Spann is, he's a prospect by virtue of the fact that he is a warm body at 205. Like, is he ranked? I don't know. He might be ranked. I mean, maybe I even ranked him. He's that forgettable. Like, he he barely beat Sam Alvey last year. Sam Alvey. Like, that's not, why? 205 is just, the longer... It, this the world goes on the less good John Jones's career looks in retrospect to be like you are probably the best fighter we've ever seen and holy shit you're really good at fighting but man we thought 205 was good because we had this idea that like all these old people that we loved were good and now in retrospect man that is just a, a chasm of talent and, and fun like 205 sucks uh, so this is a fight. It might even be a fun one, actually, because Anthony Smith is a, is a fun fighter, and Ryan Spann 
can be fun. He usually wins or loses spectacularly unless he's going to a decision with Sam freaking Alvey. So this might be fun. Uh, it just hurts my soul that this like matters in in MMA, like that this fight means something. Uh, but that's also why we get to have a champion like Jan Blachowicz, who would never be a champion in any other division. And that story is very heartwarming and awesome. So, hell yeah, I guess. Let's go 205. It's it's better than most of the rest of this card, at least. It's got that going for it. I love how the more you talk, the more the the, the, the higher the score the main event got, Jed. So that's that's a very that's compelling argument. There were 14 other bad <laughs> fights before it, so... <laughs> In concept, it's it's maybe that's the plan. Maybe the UFC is like, if we just fill them with awful for five hours, when it gets to the main event and they see something that's resembling competent, they'll be like, hell yeah, that's a great fight. I leave here happy and fulfilled. Jose, your thoughts on Smith v. Span on Saturday? I mean, I got a lot more interest in it after watching Anthony Smith's interview on the MMA Hour. Uh, Ryan Spann, as we all noted, noted during the promo for which was which uh, during the Darren Till fight was it the Darren Till card? Yeah, that was the last one. Uh, he seemed really angry for whatever reason, and Anthony Smith was like, "Why are you so mad, bro?" And then he called him a nerd and a dork and was just like, I don't know, really large black scary men don't scare me. That was like half my family growing up. So I'm like, wow. I can't wait to see this stare down because Ryan Span just seems perpetually agitated by something. I was also at that Ryan Span Sam Alvey fight. That was the first card. That was the first fight in the pandemic era. That was when Ryan Span and Sam Alvey fought in front of a 30,000 seat empty arena in Jacksonville. So that fight was absolutely bizarre. I get him a little. I give everyone on that card a little bit of a pass because of how weird that those uh, circumstances were leading into that fight. Anthony Smith is one of those fighters that really, no matter where the fight is, he can hold his own in at least some aspects. I know he got absolutely pieced up uh, by Glover Teixeira and um, Alexander Ratchet, if I remember correctly. But Anthony Smith is a very, very, very high-level black belt on the ground. And he has endless cardio, and he can punch really well and kick really well. So I expect him to win. I'm very excited for this fight. And... I think there are some low-key bangers on this fight card. I would, from top to bottom, this card is very easily the obvious answer for which card is best, uh, considering half of the Bellator card is O and O. But yeah, there's some fun fights. I don't hate the main event. I think it's a really good pay-per-view opener, if that makes sense. This is like Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crew, like a really fun fight that should kick off a pay-per-view. What is the? What, I know when we say Loki banger, you like to look at specific fighters, but oh, there's got to be a fight out here, man. There's got to be one Lutin fight. Versus Christoph Jagos rules. That's a great <laughs> fight. We all talk about how Islam Makhachev is the uncrowned champion at lightweight, and Armin Saruki had made his debut against Islam Makhachev, who has already had like several fights in the UFC and looked really good to the point where Habib pulled him aside after the fight and was like, you're a really good fighter. And then he, yeah, I know he missed weight on Fight Island and he wanted to fight Dan Hooker and then that fight didn't happen. Now he's fighting Christoph Schock, who's coming off of, what, what, what was his last fight? He, he, he submitted Providence's own Sean Soriano in yep. Houston, but it was like some weird choke, right? It was like a bra Bravo choke, whatever it was. So that fight is awesome. And I am so much more interested in that fight than any other fight on this card outside of that. They're like, like Joaquin Buckley and Impa Kasengane are on the same card, and now all of a sudden they're in different weight classes. 
Montel Jackson is fun. Like Panny Kansas all of a sudden is on like a really long win streak. And Raquel Pennington is a name that is popular and she fought for the title. So there are fun names on this card, but Saruki and Jago's, I love that fight. That is the definition of a very high level mixed martial arts contest against two fighters that probably won't be champion, but will always put on at least exciting fights. What you got, Jed? What you got? Uh, I can't knock can't knock what Jose said. That's a really good fight. But if I'm going bangers and it's gonna be low key, give me Impa Kasagane, Carlston Harris. Carlston Harris is dude, he's just really freaking fun. Uh he's been his he made his UFC debut last, this year? Might have been earlier this year. Um I can't remember if it was earlier this year, late last year. Uh got a Darsh joke. Uh he came from the UAE Warriors thing. He was on Miss Fist like once or twice. Uh, dude's just really exciting fighter, really fun. And Impa Kasagne is will forever be the dude that got ninja kicked uh, by Yuking Buckley. And if you have the ability to get highlight reel knockouted, like we talked earlier, oh, my my colleague over there said, you know, being boring is a skill. Be turning fights boring is a skill. A more underrated skill is the ability to get knocked out spectacularly because that is a marketable <laughs> skill. Uh, I've said for years, if anybody would ever let me run an MMA promotion, I would try and get really exciting fighters first. And the second thing I would look for is I would try to get fighters who know how to get knocked out well, because that puts the highlight reels up there. And Ibukasagne, he knows how to get knocked out in spectacular fashion. So I'm all for watching watching Carlson Harris cook on him. And maybe maybe not, because Kasagne is actually not a bad fighter. He might have maybe just had a bad night against Joaquin Buckley, or he's in a different weight class. But uh, I'm super interested in this one, and l- let him run. Let's, let's go. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's some interesting fights here. Mandy Bohm's gonna make her her debut. Uh, Tafan Chukwe versus Mike Rodriguez. Someone's going to sleep in that fight. Fights if there weren't 15 of them, and that's <laughs> yeah. the spot. Like, there's just a there's too many. Let's play my favorite game, Mike. Guess how many fighters don't have Wikipedia pages on this card? So there's 30 fighters. I'm going to say 17 of them. No, there. Well, the Wikipedia only has 14 fights on this, so I don't know who's missing. But let's assume neither of those, whoever the fight is, is missing. Let's say they don't. What have I got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Looks like 10, 10 to 12 fighters. So yeah, let's just cut half those fight, half the fights off this card trim this down to a manageable 10 it'd be it'd be a solid if unspectacular fight night card instead it's 12 hours long on I saturday would, when there's I, would college ha- football. I would have to say there's probably a few fighters that won't be in the ufc after losing on saturday well yeah oh, unfortunately because, because dane is going to give 11 more contracts out tonight on the contender series because there's six right. fights because there's six right. fights like Emily Whitmire is the opener, and what is her record? Like three and three, four and four. Yep. He is four and, and what's, four. What is Hannah Goldie's record? Five and like, two. Some the yeah. same. Yeah. What else? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Erin Blanchfield's baby. making her debut. I like that. That's a fun okay. time. Like Mike, Mikey Rodriguez has a bunch of losses too, right? Yeah. Nate Manis and Tony Gray was a good fight, and then Montel Jackson's about to just put the work to JP Bays. Yeah. Not good. Well, It'll be a Very rough night for the 125. Sarah Sarah Alpar is fighting Aaron Blanchfield, right? Yeah, Alpar's Ooh. first fight at 125 in a long time, but she got yeah. that Jake Paul money. So I just probably... remember Jesse Jess just 
dismantling her nose with elbows, and then she was getting married like a week later. Yeah, it's just a wild story. Yeah. So, I love the confidence in planning planning a wedding just a week after you're about to have a cage fight. Amen. Like that is a high level of confidence. You gotta respect. So many new skills that 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 need to be put out into the into the world after uh, just on this day show. We have a top three. We have being able to get knocked out, being able to <laughs> make a boring you can fight. Ask AK, I've literally been saying for years that the second most marketable skill in MMA is being knocked out spectacularly if you can market that you can build a promotion on a dude put conor mcgregor against 10 dudes who really know how to get knocked out man you're gonna be viral four times out of those 10 <laughs> uh well with that new skill you've taught us jed you have gotten the point for round number four which means we will go to the knockout round and i'm not happy about this question but i couldn't really think of one before we got started so i'm just gonna go with this one because it was such a big story over the weekend uh one minute for each of these gentlemen to answer this question. They have no idea what it is. Once that is done, I will award the final point. And I don't want to hear anything from anybody because I'm just going to give it. You'll give your 30 seconds once you win, and then we'll move on. And we'll forget this Triller card ever happened because hopefully we don't get to mention it again. But, Jed, I think I know where you're going with this, but uh, maybe you'll surprise us. You're going first. You're passing it on. I'm going to pass because I do think I know what you're about to ask, and I was really hoping you wouldn't ask about this. So I need to formulate thoughts that won't get me fired. Ah, touche. Okay, well, maybe. I mean, it could be a number of things that would have Jed formulate thoughts. Maybe I'll be wrong. That'd be great. Well, Jose, we just got through Triller on Saturday and Sunday. We're watching football and we're enjoying ourselves. Some teams are winning, some teams are losing. I think both of our teams lost on Sunday. And then right before we're about to. Call tonight. Conor McGregor shows up at the Video Music Awards, and he gets into a altercation of sorts with Machine Gun Kelly. Just an ugly scene. Conor does what he does, like at every single face-off after every press conference. It was just an awful, awful thing to watch. But I guess the one thing that I really thought of coming out of this, and I wanted, to, and this is where we're going to spend sixty seconds each on, is. When does the UFC just say, you know what? Listen, this guy is a big star. He's a money generator. This man's done a lot for us. He's a two-division champion, biggest star we've ever had. But he's just an asshole. He's just dragging our name through the mud right now. Is, is it? Can this ever get to a point where the UFC just says, you know what? Sometimes you got to cut bait. It's a nice fish. Probably tastes delicious, but... It's getting hard to reel in, man. We got to cut bait real quick. Are the, like, has this gotten the UFC any closer to making Literally, that decision? No, absolutely not. They, I'm sure Dana doesn't love it, but they used Conor McGregor attacking a bus in a promo. There's no way they cut ties. Like Conor McGregor, as for as much money as he makes from the UFC, is so severely underpaid with how much money he generates compared to the percentage he he gets machine gun kelly is i'm confident when i say this too is so much more popular in just the grand scheme of the pop culture world than conor mcgregor so the fact that we are talking about machine gun kelly pop icon who again had a beef with eminem the highest selling artist of the 2000s and is now all of a sudden having beef with conor mcgregor the ufc is probably like don't do that but at the same time they're like wow 
this is going to be a lot of money because Machine Gun Kelly's going to get asked about it, and then it's back in the headlines. Conor's Grant going to get asked about it, and then Machine Gun Kelly's going to be asked about it. Hey, Megan Fox is involved, so you know I'm going to be paying attention. So no, the UFC is not cutting ties unless Conor McGregor fights his contract out and leaves. All right. We go over to Jen Mishu. I'm sure you uh, maybe you got the fishing reference. I don't know if you, you fish out there in Atlanta, GA, but uh, I mean, when when do when do we get to this point? Like, when do we, they're making a ton of money from this ESPN deal? So like, getting Connor is great, and it's cherry on top of the Sunday, and you sell a million pay per views, and that's always a great thing when that happens. But you don't. I mean, it's nice to have him, but you don't really need him right now in a business sense. So. When has this gotten the UFC any closer to the point where we're just like, why are we doing this? Like, what is the point? Like, I understand he's a big star and he sells a lot of pay-per-views, but like, come on now. Like, this is such a headache. We'll put a minute on the clock. You can't see it, but I'm going to time it for you. Ready? Go. No, this hasn't moved the needle in that direction at all. The only way that this, the only way that happens is if Connor asks for more money. That's what's going to get the UFC to be pissed off. It's like, hey, I'm demanding more money. Uh, and we've seen it happen before. That's why he retired, because he, he asked for more money. They said no, so he retired. Like, this isn't going to move it. It's either he asked for more money or he literally kills a human being. I hope that doesn't happen, obviously. But, like, that's unless he OJ Simpson somebody, like, they're not going to separate ties from him, because why the hell would they? Like, he, they don't care. One, there's probably a perverse world where it's better that Connor's drawing all the heat as opposed to Dana White, the figurehead of the organization, who is known to say very stupid things on camera all the time. So there's some level to that. And then it's just like they don't give a shit because Connor makes them boatloads of money. And they're going to squeeze that golden goose for all the eggs they can get before he's done. This will be the last fight contract of his career, and they're going to milk it for all it's worth, man. All right. So there we go. It's both both gentlemen are in agreement that this does nothing for the UFC cutting bait with uh, cutting ties with Connor and just moving on. I'm sure it's just such a big PR headache for them, but luckily Connor has a team that handles a lot of PR and has to answer all these questions. So maybe in a way this takes a little weight off the shoulders of the UFC. But man, it's kind of rough when your biggest star just continuously gets in trouble and you can't even fight. Like you can't even fight right now. At least when John Jones is getting in trouble, like. He could fight. Connor can't fight right now, so he's just getting himself in more trouble. It just sucks, and we are where we are. But now I get to make a decision. I hate this part. I really do, because someone's going to scream robbery, and I hate it. But the winner for this week's show on Between the Links is still the champion, Jed Mishu. He gets it done. He moves on. The Dana White comparison is kind of the thing that got me. And uh, Jed gets it done. That's five title defenses in a row. Six straight victories since his little hiatus from the BTL Virtual Arena. And with that, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. And go. It's six victories since EKC Lydon stopped being the judge. Like, that's, that's what it is right there. I've only ever lost to one man, and it's Casey. Uh, my callouts have not been uh, met with much success, so I'm going to call out Casey because maybe he will finally step to the plate and at least face me man-to-man, one-on-one, as opposed to hiding behind the production board. We can get Jose can, can do the production on it, and uh, Jose can judge it. That's fine. I'm okay with that because uh, I plan on beating Casey so bad it won't matter. 
Well, luckily, we've, I mean, since the MA hour came back, there's not a lot of production that needs to be done. I do, I, I'll do that. Jose can judge. Casey can just come in and yeah. chill out and, and, and debate you. Just, that, that's a great idea. Let's make I it mean, happen. Well, Helwani won't, won't fight me, and that's fair. I totally get why he doesn't want to. That's totally acceptable. Colby is afraid to face me here, and who I'm not, I can't, I just physically can't beat Phoenix Carnivale, so I'm not trying to get that smoke. So who am I left with, Mike? I got no one. <laughs> Maybe next week, Jed Mishu versus E. Casey Lydon. Jose, thank you for coming on, my friend. It was a it was a, it was a good battle, but I want to remind you of a question that AK and I got uh, once before, and I'm not trying to discredit uh, Jed Mishu over here, but they, <laughs> the question was, does anybody actually win BTL? And I mean, yeah, I guess sometimes, but really, it's just it's it's just a debate show worth like phantom points, you know? It's around the horn, really, is it not? Yeah, and I'm very bad at debate shows because I don't particularly care what other people have to think about a myriad of topics. So when you're like, <laughs> you have to argue against it, I go, but I just, like, Jed could say three plus three is nine. I'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's 2021 for you, ladies and gentlemen, because there is there is some serious heat between these guys in, in past episodes of the program, but here we are, just kind of getting along and... And just going hard against the promotions and their 15 fight cards. Life, life wears you down, Mike. And 29 <laughs> fights come down the pipe at us. That's, again, seven of them with fighters who haven't fought before in a major mixed martial arts promotion. I'm not composed. I'm not supposed to watch shit like that. <laughs> God bless Kaposa. Just a, a true gem of the MMA space. Really is. Ibaka Hitman. Way to go, buddy. Absolutely. Don't know how you do it. Yes. Shout out to Grabaka Hitman. But that is it. We are done. Lots to discuss next week, I'm sure, because we'll have 29 fights to look at, plus UFC 266, International Fight Week. Some interesting battles are around the corner as well. So we'll have a lot to discuss next week. Thank you all for watching. But you didn't watch, so you're listening right now. Damn, Skype threw me off, and I'm not editing this out. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week once again <laughs> between the links. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.